Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. Are you a physician looking for a change? Consider locum tenens. Whether you are burned out, need a change of pace, or are looking to supplement your income, locum tenens might be the solution for you. If you're considering locum's tenens, either full-time or on the side, you probably have a question or two, or 20. Fortunately, locumstory.com is the website that has all of the answers you need. It's packed with unbiased information and advice from physicians like you. Locumstory.com has nothing to sell. It's simply a resource of information. You'll find super handy tools that let you see locums trends for your specialty, compare different locums agencies, and there's even a quiz to help you decide if locums is right for you. Locumstory.com is the perfect place to start if you want to learn more about locum tenens. Visit locumstory.com today to learn more about locum tenens and see if it's right for you. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today with Barry Nicolo. Barry is an author, a corporate trainer, and coach. Most recently, he's presenting on gratitude leadership. In this episode, Barry shares how he came into his purpose in 2015 and eventually wrote the book, The 11 Master Secrets to Business Success and Personal Fulfillment. He has an upcoming book that will be coming out in November of this year, and he basically helps others to deconstruct the layers of cognitive fear, of indecision, inherited and habitual thinking, and how these relate to our real-world experiences and expectations. This is a great episode where we focus essentially on why we are continuing to experience things that we don't want to experience based on Barry's research 
his experiences and perspectives and his philosophies. So grab your drink of choice. You don't want to miss this episode and join us. Hi, Barry. Welcome to the show. Jennifer, thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here with you. I'm so excited to have you here. You're my first guest of the new season. So welcome <laughs> I think, and I thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. It's, it's, uh, I feel so privileged to be, to be sharing this space with you. It's beautiful. Well, so do I. So I'm glad you're here because I know you have a lot to share and inspire on the topic today that I chose about why we're experiencing what we don't want to experience. And I think this is common around the globe, you know, personally, but I'm hoping we can tailor this conversation to healthcare and healthcare providers just generally with your general understanding and experiences of what's going Mm -hmm. on. But tell me more about yourself first. Tell us more about yourself. If you could take me back a few years. Okay. How long do you have? (laughs) I was going to say, I was going to say, let's start at the pivotal moment at 2015, if you will. Yes, I think so. 44 years back would be a long way for me. (laughs) I guess, in essence, um, kind of trying to condense the last, say, seven years into what's happened in a few minutes. I was in a situation in 2015 where I was in the shoe industry. I was selling shoes to retailers. And I was earning okay money. It was all great, providing for my family. Um, but there was a space inside me that that I had a yearning that I didn't quite understand. Um, and I felt very unfulfilled in what I was doing. And I'm not sure if many people have this feeling, but I definitely had it. And I, I rang my customer. I said, I'm on my way to see you. And he said, Barry, actually, can you delay me an hour? I'm running a bit late. And I said, no problem. And, and Jen, the next thing that happened was kind of surreal. My car felt like it steered itself into this beautifully appointed cemetery in the northwestern suburbs of Sydney, Australia. And as I'm driving down these big, beautiful, wide open roads, canopy of trees, you know, gravestones on my left and gravestones on my right. And, you know, you come to a, an appreciative understanding that, you know, life is quite finite. So I get out of my car And I start walking amongst these gravestones and I start doing the maths in between the years that people were born and people died. And you realize something, you realize that they're not all 80 and 90 year olds. Mm -hmm. You realize that there are 20 year olds, 30 year olds, 40 year olds, 50 year olds that passed away. And I've since come to understand that cemeteries are actually the richest places on earth. Because what you find is unsaid I love yous and, 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 you know, things that were meant to be done, but you just didn't have the courage or you didn't find the resources. It ends up being this beautiful place of communication in a weirdly kind of funny way. So as I was sitting there leaning against my car about to leave, I was in a place of total surrender and total vulnerability in a way because I just said, I don't know what I want. I don't know how I feel. I just feel there's a gap and I don't know how to fill this hole. And at that moment, something surreal happened that I used to be quite embarrassed to talk about, but I've moved past it now and I'm just speaking about it. I felt three words that bombarded me on a level that wasn't quite like the dialogue we're experiencing today. It was, it was felt in the, on a soul-based level. And uh, those three words were live your life. And I didn't quite understand what that meant because I thought I was living my life. You know, I'm thinking if you're going to tell me something, give me the lottery numbers. Give me something truly (laughs) exciting so I can really live my life. So anyway, um, dismissed it, went home, went to my appointment, went home, went to sleep. And then I wake up at 3 a.m. and the word your was glowing in my mind as if live your life. 
Don't live a life dependent on what other people expect from you or want from you. Live a life that's true to your yearnings and your calling. Almost like God has placed a specific thing in you that you need to bring out during your lifetime. And I felt like I wasn't doing that. I didn't even know what that was. So I was... I woke up at 3 a.m. and I just started furiously writing, not on the computer but by hand. And I just started writing about the things that lit me up, the things that truly excited me, the people that have come from ultimate adversity and hardship and pain and made this somewhat transition into this outwardly looking successful life and possibly the internal struggle they had in the process. And that kind of excited me to read and to write about that and then after a year of 6 a.m. mornings, <laughs> I had this thing that looked like a manuscript. And then I'm like, this this is crazy. I know no one in the publishing industry. I don't know any authors. I don't know how things work in this space. Like, what am I even thinking? I didn't want to be an author. I don't even think that I could write. Wow. And all of a sudden, Jen, I get a fa- <laughs> this is how the universe works. I get a random Facebook message from a publishing house. Now, I told no one that I was writing. It was just something I did for me, right? And the the message was, we publish books. If you have a manuscript, we'd love to hear from you. So, you know, long story short, I met up with the publisher. We put a campaign on Amazon. We hit number one in six countries and 19 categories. And I online courses and well-being for corporations has been a result from that. So I guess the takeaway is that if you have this kind of whisper or if you have this feeling in your soul that you should be going towards a certain direction or sometimes it's just a whisper into healing and into love-based understandings and to spiritual, like there's a lot of spiritual masters in the last two and a half thousand years that you can research and like what was their thoughts on things and how did they get through things? And if you come from that angle, all of a sudden you do find some answers for yourself as well. Wow. I love how you completely surrendered. First of all, also, I want to tell you, I love the graveyard. Like, I love the cemetery. <laughs> you know, I find it to be the most peaceful place. Um, you know, ever since my father passed in 2018, I find so much comfort in the, the cemetery. It's a beautiful place. And um, at least where he's at, it's just beautiful. Like, there's just, I don't know, I just feel completely at peace. So I found that very interesting that that's where you were yeah. steered towards. And, you know, most oftentimes when we're feeling this gap, very, I can speak for myself in this resistance within, we tend to ignore it, or we tend to push through and continue doing the same thing over and over again, until we can no longer take it or until we get sick or something happens. And in your case, you could you completely just surrendered to it and said, you know, like, basically, let let the universe in and let you know let yourself be guided, right, rather than trying to know it all yourself and force yourself through it all, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is, they, these are the pivotal moments in life, Jen, that what, what, I, what I feel tends to happen to us as human beings, okay, is I think that life whispers to us to go in a certain direction. And I think the whisper is sometimes so faint that the routine and the busyness of life takes, takes over. And we just say, I've got no time for that right? Then the whisper gets a bit louder and it might turn into a tap on the shoulder. And all of a sudden we go, okay, okay, I've heard you, but you know what? I haven't got time for that right now. I'm busy trying to pay my bills. I'm trying to bring my family up. I'm trying to go to funerals. I'm trying to say goodbye to people, say hello to new people. It's just leave me alone, tap on the shoulder. And all of a sudden it gets louder. It gets louder. Eventually I think it gets to a point where it forces us to either pay attention or dismiss it completely. 
And my hope for everyone listening and my hope for, um, you know, the people that are struggling with this concept right now is that when the whisper comes, you'll find that it ends up being a green light for you to go that way. And when I say green light, there's something inside you, there's part of your soul that is saying you need to consider this as an option if you want to get to a, to a higher place, to a higher understanding of who you are. It's taken me seven years to, to recognize the whisper. It's attuned to me, like mine is attuned to me and yours is attuned to you. And we'll have a decision to make when we hear it. The decision will be, do we ignore it or do we do we edge forward in that way? And for me, it ends up being a trust-based understanding that it has my highest intentions at heart. Love that. And I know from a clinical point of view, it can seem it's not rooted in science or it's not rooted in fact. But I think that, you know, if you look at the human being, you know, 80% of our decisions are made from an emotional, habitual, inherited standpoint. So as much as we pay a lot of attention to logical science-based data, most of our decisions are not based from that. They're based from what makes us feel good and what makes us feel bad, right? And although we have this data available and we can listen to it, and many of us do listen to it, I think sometimes the best thing you can do for yourself is to just go within and try and find the answers rather than looking at our external environment and going well they must be out there somewhere it's everything from my understanding and from the research I've done I've got a new book coming out in November everything is about how you place your intention and where you place your intention from and then the material expression of life uh, giving you the exact example or the exact tangible reality which then stems back to what you believe to be true mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like the, the science that I've looked into for the new book is looking at the power of gratitude and it's looking at, the, at, at how thoughts, you know, from a scientific standpoint, and I can explain it to you here if you want. Yes, but how thoughts, yeah, it's really cool how thoughts become things mm-hmm. and how, how, how our physical experiences match our mental vibration. And um, if we continually have mixed experiences in life, if we continually have random-based experiences, then we stem that back direct as a conduit back to our thoughts and we go, do we have random-based thoughts? And the answer is yes. So basically we're experiencing a tangible reality that is stemming from somewhere and it's usually stemming from you know, what experiences we're exposed to. So then you think to yourself, well, what are we exposed to? Mm-hmm. And usually it's one of three areas. It's inherited thinking, so biological thinking from your great-grandparents to your grandparents that gets passed down generationally, habitual thoughts, and habitual thoughts end up being things that we just do on autopilot, and influences from the outside world. So friends and family and news cycles and your doctor and whoever it is. So those three areas kind of form the basis of our decisions. And if we can just control the controllables, it's a lovely little term that I've come up with to just try and control the sphere that you can and make sure that your influence is there as much as possible. And then anything that's out of that sphere of control You've got to let go to a higher power and don't put fear or energy into that. So, you know, that includes toxic people and that includes the news cycle and that includes, you know, exposing yourself to bad food or or, or poor sleep habits or fighting with your partner consistently or, you know, things that bring you down. So if you can just try your best to be in that space of, you know, that you can control what you can, 
you got to find a way to let the rest go because yeah. it doesn't serve, it doesn't serve you. Uh, this is this is a great follow-up episode to my last one that's coming out on a focus and shifting focus and basically mm-hmm. reflecting on polarity thinking in terms of whether we're thinking about ourselves or the outside world so much in terms of our decision-making and thinking, right? And so part of that episode is me trying to help providers realign themselves back to themselves and re-empower themselves to to think about themselves first and what feels good for them rather than what what we're lacking, what we're afraid of, what we're uncertain about, but also, you know, negative energy that might be around as well. Just being more aware of that. So now in in healthcare specifically, like if we can talk a little bit more about that and applying what you've just shared with me towards, you know, at an individual level as providers, we're going through a healthcare crisis right now. We're dealing with a lot of shortages, um, limited resources. A lot of us feel tired, burned out, not everybody, but a lot of us do. And these stats show that, um, but this has been an ongoing issue, right? So that kind of speaks to what you're saying as well. You know what I'm saying in terms of the patterning of all of this, right? Like, you know, it's kind of wild because, I was saying as well about how we keep talking about pre-pandemic and comparing yeah. it pre-pandemic. It wasn't great either. And that's why this podcast started. But if we can talk a little bit about like systematically, but also individually, why in healthcare mm-hmm. right now, things just seem to keep spiraling. Like, I'm in Ontario or I'm in Ontario, Canada. We have universe, we have universal healthcare, right? So um, things yeah. like that, like we don't have as much privatization as the States. Um, I'm not mm. sure about Australia, but so in terms of our system, there's a lot of fear out there that we might be going more privatized because we're so limited with resources. You know, we're having to close down ERs right now. You know, wow. never okay. in my never in my wildest dreams did I think an ER could close its doors for okay. you know a day or a few hours due to staff shortages. Like that's wild to me. How did we get here? You know, that's <laughs> what I want to ask you. How did we get here? And you know- you're supposed to know it all, Barry. <laughs> it's all on you. I, I love where this is going, by the way. Um, <laughs> Great. Um, I, I'm going to be completely open with you now. I don't know if there is a person on the planet that could give you a silver bullet to that and to, to that question. Yeah. Um, I, my expertise and my knowledge comes from a sense of a lot of healthcare providers, a lot of nurses um, and a lot of doctors and a lot of people that provide care do it out of a sense of uh, wanting to add value to and wanting to heal and wanting to assist humanity as a whole. And we need the structure within that from a government perspective to be able to offer that service, yes? And privatisation is a way, obviously, that the state has gone down. In Australia, we've got um, several healthcare providers. So we've got a public and a a private and a government-funded system. So we have got private health. We've got a private medical centre down the road. Um, You know, it's $200 per consultation. They see you within five minutes. They usually have got a solution within five minutes after that they're really onto their it's it's crazy like every time we have an emergency that's where we go as opposed to going to the public system where there's usually a waiting queue so I guess um if you are a healthcare provider and if you are a doctor and you still want to continue being that because you feel that there's a sense of obligation that you want to offer the world um, the best thing you can do from your own point of view is to take make sure that you take care of yourself I think you've got to make sure that you do that, okay? Mm -hmm. And I think looking at the system as a whole and looking at things, it comes back to things that you can't control and things that you can. If you have an influence into government 
and and you can somehow um, arrange a meeting where you can where you can air your views and possibly get some changes in law, you know, do that because that's within your sphere of control. If you feel like you're in a situation where you don't have those contacts and you can't influence government, the best thing you can do if you want to remain in the field is to take good care of who you are. The best way to do that is to align yourself with the right circumstances, the right people, the right situations, eating habits, sleeping, because you're in a situation where people are relying on you. Mm-hmm. And 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 from a sense of obligation, you know, you've got people's lives literally in your hands. Um, so if you are in a situation, and apologize, I feel like I'm rambling, but if you feel like you're in a situation where you're not taking care of yourself, self-care is number one, guys. Like it's 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 really important, especially now recognizing that the science that is talking about how stress manifests itself in the body as illness. I think that's really got to be taken like so, so, so seriously. And from a systemic point of view, I think that's that's the real thing here, right, is that if you don't treat yourself well, then it will go into other areas that you cannot provide the service that you desperately want to provide. But, yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question, Jennifer, but at the same time, a lot of it is self-reliance. I do get that. And I, for me, I'm a champion of self-reliance because I think that everything does come back to how we treat ourselves, right? I love that, yeah. Um, and and just just to consider this, a lot of healthcare providers are also quite selfless, like they want to give to others, right? And just consider the scenario that, you know, if I want five oranges and you don't have five oranges to give me, well, how on earth can I get five oranges? You don't have them to give away. So if you want to give care to people and you don't care for yourself, well, isn't that the same situation? Like if you don't have self-care, how can you give care to others? And you might say, well, Barry, I don't care about me. I care about them. Well, hang on. It's the same coin. It's just two different sides. You know, you, you're not, you can't, you can't give it if you don't have it to give away. So, so the first thing you've got to do is to make sure that you, your physical and mental well-being is in a situation where you're taking care of yourself. And then you've got it to give away um i don't know if that really answers your question jennifer but no it does i appreciate your your perspective on that and i completely agree Uh, i think i do think now like i mean i can't speak for everyone but what i'm seeing Mm. just you know where i'm at and stuff is i i notice people are more appreciative of their own well-being now in terms of healthcare providers i think we in a way this all of what we've been through is making us more self-aware of that i think it's now getting to that point of taking care and being consistent with that and feeling like we can sustain that for ourselves as well absolutely and again the, the perspective of letting go what you can't control of in a way and taking care of yourself i think is super powerful because i do think you know like you said if you don't have a direct contact to some way of changing things then i find mm. we're just you know we're just screaming at a <laughs> at a brick wall right like it, and it only hurts me it doesn't hurt the brick wall and it's no. not getting and it's not getting to the people you know what i'm saying so and i see that a lot right now especially on social media among healthcare providers and i just mm-hmm. um, i find that energy it's just bouncing back on them and i'm sure it's just mm. draining and exhausting for them and that breaks my heart though right because i know that they they're coming from such an amazing place of wanting to provide quality care to people in need and they're just focused on that block there right it's important to um if you have someone in the industry that you could almost look at as a champion that could help 
you know, li liaise with government or, you know, like if there is, I don't know if there is or not, Jen, but in Canada, but if, if you do have, those, if you can identify two or three of those people and perhaps have a have a meeting with them and just, you know, bring your, your dozen closest healthcare providers and just arrange a quick online or offline meeting and just say, hey, is there anything we can do? At least from a psychological standpoint, as well as a physical standpoint, you feel like you are making progress yeah. um, in changing things. And that gives you sometimes a bit of hope to keep going as well yeah. and that collaborative piece is so important yeah, yeah. just mutually yeah. collaborating on it because i do think as much as things are out of people's hands or we mm. think it's all in the government and stuff i i do think the government you know and i'm not trying mm. to get too political here but i don't know if they really know what to do <laughs> like you know i don't uh, they, I, it's not that i think they lack compassion do you know what i mean so mm. i think that's where empathy needs to come in and you kind of touched on that with that's your work that we chatted about earlier so i, I do want to talk a little bit about that and how maybe tapping more into empathetic conversations and connections too can help kind of help heal this crisis that we're in Absolutely. And I was going to say, you know, uh, before or after this show, we can chat, Jen. But what I was going to say, if anyone needs a chat, like I know I'm all the way in Sydney, but with, with, the, with the benefits of online, yep. <laughs> we, can, we can chat within five minutes. Just like we um, are now. <laughs> yes. This is, this is incredible, by the way. What's happening right now is incredible. It's cool. It's so cool. Anyway, and yeah, if you, if anyone needs a chat or if you want to have a chat about your organization or whatever you're going through, even if it's just, if I can just be an ear to listen to just what's going on, sometimes feeling that you've been heard makes such a big difference in finding a way forward in life. It's interesting, like the empathy part of what I do has come very natural to me because I feel that with me in particular, I can sit down with someone and I don't know how I do this. It's just it's just a natural thing. And everyone's got their skills and talents. But with me, I have a way of people open up to me very quickly, very easily. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, because sometimes I can be stuck for hours listening to a dead grandmother that's passed away. And anyway, I don't mind being that yeah. ear. Seriously don't. Um, but at the same time, it's it's really important that for me, the feeling of fulfillment comes from being of value. Right. Like if you're consistently of value to others and if you can keep in that feeling of fulfillment, then you can also keep being of value because it feels good. And I think it's the natural way our biology is made is, is actually made up. Is if you want the feeling of fulfillment, be it through your family, through your career, through your friendships, it's really important that you add that service to other people. So, yeah, so from an empathy point of view and from a strategic um, wanting people to, to really see them come alive within themselves, there are tools and, and people that you can talk to to, uh, to assist that process for you, for sure. So speaking of burnout and things that providers might be experiencing right now, Barry, mm -hmm. if someone is feeling depleted, if someone is feeling like a lot of times it's emotional and you, you alluded to that at the beginning of the show, how mm -hmm. a lot of what we do is emotionally driven, where do people start? Mm -hmm. Like if someone really literally feels like they just have no more to give, whether it's emotionally or physically, energetically, mm -hmm. what do we do in those cases? What do you suggest? Okay, so... The yeah, it's a really big question. And yeah, I'll try and uh, where do we start? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I, I draw that comparison to uh, my coaching clients and people that do feel down about life in general and where the direction of their life's going. And it's a sense of burnout for them as well because mm -hmm. they're just utterly frustrated with life. My first thing that I say to them is you've got to sit with that feeling a little bit. Don't just ignore it. 
Like if it if it if it's had such an impact on who you are as a person, I think dismissing it just kind of creates another problem down the track. So recognize this feeling within yourself. And you know what? Say to yourself, I'm gonna sit with this for a little while because I have to feel it. Mm. I have to feel the hopelessness and I have to feel the pain a little bit because it's true and it's real, right? And then you get to a situation where what what I call it in Sydney, you leapfrog to the next emotional state up from hopelessness, right? And it could be getting yourself to a state of bewilderment. So like, oh, that's interesting. That that looks like an interesting scenario. I wonder how that worked out. You're not in happiness yet. You're not in joy and love yet, but you're building your way up the emotional scale. And then bewilderment might lead to a state of being just not entirely happy, but you might see the good in people and the good in situations, and then that might lead you back. For me, I've got really good at jumping from um, a negative burned-out state to gratitude, but it's taking me like a few years to build that ability to leapfrog to that sort of extent. So when when I'm feeling really depressed and down and I'm counting the things in my mind that are really frustrating me, I use my other hand and I go, so is there anything good happening right now? And if you're a fair person and you have clarity of thought, then you go, well, yeah, there kind of is. You know, I've got a little bit of money in the bank and I'm helping that person and and I'm doing this on the weekend and I've got that lined up for a few weeks' time and that person's coming for dinner on Saturday night, we're going to have a lovely chat and whatever, whatever, whatever's going on. And you go, okay, so those things are happening at the same time as my frustrations, right? So so you get to a level where the bad isn't necessarily at the depths that it was 10 minutes ago. (laughs) And you kind of, you're not in a joyful, I'm on a rainbow state, um, but you are a lot higher in the abyss than what you were. And all of a sudden you start to see the light of the surface of the ocean above you and you go, it's not that far. I could probably swim that. And then you start to rise and rise and rise. And it's, it's a really important segue, Jen, to consider this as well. In my new book, I've looked at Einstein and a lot of his um, philosophical uh, sayings and what he was really known for, not just from a scientific point of view, but from a philosophical point of view as well. He had this great, really great saying that no one knows about, that I keep talking about because it's so profound. Okay. And, and Einstein stated this. He said, he said, the most important decision that every human being must make, like you have to make this decision, whether you do it consciously or unconsciously, you make it regardless, right? The most important decision you have to make is whether you believe in your heart that you live in a toxic universe or you live in a friendly universe. Mm -hmm. Like you've got to make that distinction. And a lot of the clients that I have here are on the fence and they say, well, it's 50-50, Baz. You know, like this, I can tell you about bad scenarios in the world and I can tell you about good scenarios in the world. But you have to, what Einstein was saying is that you have to reduce your answer to one word. Mm. Is it friendly in your consciousness or is it toxic in your con- consciousness? And and for me, it's become a huge realisation because whatever word you come up with, The science that I'm looking at is saying that the physical expressions of our tangible realities will match that answer. So you'll have, Jen, you and I would be at dinner. I come over to Canada and you and I will be sitting around a table. And on the left, you'll have six people and they'll talk about toxicity. And they'll they'll cite examples. They'll go COVID, the healthcare government system, um, um, marriages that are splitting, uh, babies that are dying, and all these horrible scenarios. And on the right, you'll have these 
people that say it's friendly and they'll say, well, Barry, you know, I've seen marriages that are getting back together and I've seen refugees that have been taken in by families that don't know them. And I've seen nurses that are offering everything they've got and I've seen doctors that are trying their best and I've seen these situations as well. And you know what, Jen, you come to a situation where you ask who's right and who's wrong and you realise that they're both right. Mm-hmm. and both people will leave the house and they'll go out into the world and they will ring you next week and they will confirm their life experiences based on their truest held beliefs. And they'll say, oh, I got cut off in traffic now, Barry. Barry, you wouldn't believe this person hasn't paid me back the $5,000 that I've lent them or this person. And they'll, and they'll cite evidential reasons that are true. So if you can have a shift in consciousness, if you can just just momentarily, if you're a toxic person or if you believe the world's a toxic place or the government's not doing the right thing and you're, you're in burnout and anxiety, just do me a favour and try your best to just to balance the scales a little bit and just consider that you might just be looking through the keyhole of your pain and that is it. But there is so much more to life. And there is so much more to your well-being than just looking through the keyhole of your pain. Now, if we keep looking through that keyhole and we're habitual human beings that keep thinking out of habit, then even if good scenarios happen, we'll dismiss them. Yeah. So that's not a fair-minded person. That's, that's not having any clarity at all. Right. So just I say to my clients here in the corporations that I have, just do me a favour. If you're going to talk about the stuff that's happening that frustrates us, kind of do you mind balancing the scales a bit and maybe just uh, maybe admitting that there could be a few good things as well? And after that conversation is had, it's not sitting at 85% bad and 15 good. It's probably sitting at, you know, 40% or 40% good and 60% bad. So the scales are now shifting, right? Mm. And, and the funny thing is this, Jen, when you start experiencing from a psychological standpoint and when you start seeing good things happening in the world and your vibration from a, from a, from a mental and from a physical and from a well-being standpoint lifts, life then shows you more of that. Mm-hmm. And then your perspective, you might shift the sides of the table that you're on. You, you know, yeah. from the left, you might jump on the friendly side and say, you know, I've helped 5,000 people this year. I've been on 28 podcasts. I've done this. And it's, it's pretty exciting because, you know, I'm out there trying my best in a world that might not be attuned to it. But you know what? I don't care because I'm being me. Yeah. I'm, I'm talking from that standpoint. So I'm not sure if that kind of is a really a huge segue into what we've been talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I do think we essentially attract into our life what we believe. Um, and yeah. I do. And I, like you said, I do believe it's this bit of reciprocal energy that kind of keeps going round and round. Right. And yes. I, I think, like you said, too, it's it's unrealistic to expect somebody to go from hopelessness to joy, you know, yes. that we have to have compassion yes. with ourselves. Yeah. And also surround ourselves by people who may be who may see things a little differently and potentially in a better way if you find that you see the world more negatively. Mm-hmm. But I think that self-awareness is so important to have. As you're talking, I've been very fortunate in my life. I'm just inc- incredibly a grateful person like and I've been practicing gratitude Mm. for years and you know just listening to you speak Mm. I've been saying lately how I want to have uh, you know a webinar or something for whether it's healthcare providers or people in general to help them bring it more into their life more of what they want 
um, not mm. just physically and, you know, physical things and materialistic things, but I just mean more, more peace, more yeah. joy, more mm-hmm. appreciation, because I've had so many fortunate things happen to me. Yes, I've, I've been through a lot of, you know, horrible things too. Um, and I'm not comparing my my life to somebody else's. Everyone's life is theirs. And, and that's the only lens we can look through, right? Um, but... Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I know I've I've lived a very I've been living a very great life, and I, I'm very appreciative for that. And um, it would be great to just be able to help others who might be stuck in that cycle yeah, of yeah. toxicity and tragedy and things of that nature. So it would be great to one day call upon you if I do do it. <laughs> you let me know <laughs> because uh, <laughs> you're speaking my language here for sure. So I can relate to this on an individual level, absolutely. Well, I was just going to say, um, in the research for this new book, what I've done is I'm a stickler for finding common ground uh, with opposing views. You know, if you get two people that have strongly opposing views, I'm the guy that comes in and goes, is there common ground here that we can base the conversation on? And it's interesting because, you know, one of the biggest disparities we see in the earth right now is, you know, the major religions that exist. And, you know, I make it a, a, a habit not to talk about religion or politics. But just as a segue, this is an interesting scenario to consider, okay? Mm-hmm. So the four largest religions in the world are um, Christianity, Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam. Those four religions account for 83% of the planet. They're just to give you a clue of what, what's going on out there right now, right? 83%. Yeah. And, you know, if you think about all those four religions, they've all got very different views about, you know, where who God is and their followers think a certain way. And, yeah, there are similarities as well. But I tried to sit down and find a common thread with all four people. So in my mind, I'm thinking, you know, if there was a rabbi and there was a Buddhist monk and there was a priest and there was a Hindu um, man of God, and they're all around the table, and they all had their opposing views. What could they agree on? Mm. And you know what's funny, Jan? You know what's in the text of all of those religions? Gratitude. Oh, love it. Yeah. Like it is in their text. Like if you go and ask an, an, an Islamic cleric and, you know, he will say, yes, in the Quran it says that you will praise God forever and ever for all situations that you go through. And if you look at what Christ taught, it was exactly the same thing, you know, your appreciation and gratitude for God in your life. You know, Buddhism is all about appreciation and not harming a fly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. everything, a fly is an earthling. Yeah. You know, a mosquito is an earthling. It is part of this ecosystem. You killing it doesn't necessarily, you're killing part of the planet sort of thing. You know, if you look at a rabbi, he will have the same. Like it's all about gratitude and appreciation for God. And so if you were sitting around these four people and you threw gratitude on the table, they would all nod their heads and they would all agree. And, And then what you do from there is you build framework. And you go, okay, so if we'll all agree on that, can we consider this subject? And all of a sudden you started building from an emotional base of understanding that, okay, we all agree on that. So it's just getting to that first step. So mm-hmm. if you have someone that, you know, you're going through burnout and you're going through anxiety and you're all sitting around the table and the conversation of burnout might come up and all of a sudden people will say, yeah, I'm feeling it and I'm feeling it and I'm feeling it. You've got agreeance at the table. And then if you have agreeance on that, you might have agreeance on the next conversational uh, chat, whatever it is, and it might be, do you think if we did this, do you reckon that might improve our situation? And again, people will go, yeah, maybe that might help. And if we did that, do you think that we could possibly do this? Oh, yeah. Well, okay, let's make a plan. And all of a sudden, you've got this agreeable situation where people are not opposing each other and they're not necessarily talking about 
the hell that they've been through. But what they are talking about is how can we build a framework that we can move forward in from, from where we're all at right now? And I tell you what, if people can do that, all of a sudden, Jen, you're in a situation where people grow and rise together and we help each other through our struggles. And isn't that the best way to live? <laughs> it really is. So it's one thing to have the common ground of where we're at and to have that agreement of where we want to be and to go at that together, I think. Absolutely. Exactly. Love that. I think we'll we'll end it there, Barry. But I want to know, yeah. I want to know, mm. tell us more about your book. Move, is it moving okay. the mountain? Is it moving the mountain now? Move the mountain. Uh, move the move the mountain. So I've taken the parable from Christ, um, um, which he had a parable, and don't quote me on scripture because I do not know and I should know, but I don't. Um, but he had a he had a parable saying, you know, if you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. And if you think about what Christ was saying, it was it was the power of belief and that we are all sparks of divinity. We are all parts sparks of the Almighty. And um, based on that, we can control thought and we can control situations and we can somewhat control our life circumstances. And if we can come from that standpoint, the book's all about that. So it's about resetting intention. And the fact that uh, I look at the mountain and the pinnacle of the mountain is love, like love. And some of us have the scenic view around the mountain. We go round and round the base for a few years. Yeah. And some of us have a direct route and we just climb straight up to the top and we have a we have a higher understanding of what this is all about. So yeah, it's it's pretty cool. So the books it's taken a year. Um, I'm at the tail end of a few uh, special thanks. I've had a lovely lady do my forward who I immensely respect and love. And it's it's feeling like like this needs to be out in the world right now. So it uh, we'll yeah. see. We'll, I definitely super... agree. <laughs> I definitely agree. Well, I, congratulations in advance. I know it comes out in November. Can people get it on your website, or should they? Listen, you can sign up. Sign just go to barrynicolai.com. You'll see my landing page there. You'll also see you can sign up for the book for twenty five dollars. I think it is, and you'll go on a pre order list. Um, the book's actually meant to be released in 2023, but we're going to do an early release 2022 in November. It'll be available on Amazon. Um, and hopefully I'm trying to do a deal for Australian bookstores to try and get in some doors here. Nice. Um, but yeah, touch base if you need anything and I'll help out as best as I can. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this conversation and just connecting in your inspiration. <laughs> this is a conversation that I feel like I'm just having, you know, like at a dinner table, like you had said earlier. Uh, so I appreciate your time and being here. Are there any final words that you'd like to share before you sign up? <laughs> Listen, from an organizational point of view, if you're a corporation, instill gratitude as much as you can in your leaders. Um, an appreciation for life, it'll filter down to staff. Like just come from a place, just balance those scales. We've got a presentation called Gratitude Leadership in Sydney. It's it's going down really, really well. And if you're an individual and you're looking at what to do next, just look at the next right move. If you want to get healthy, what would that look like? Uh, if you want to start a business, what would that look like? If you want to change law, what would that look like? And just identify that next right move. Once a podcast like this fuels you and inspires you, take that inspiration and do something with it. Like take the fuel mm -hmm. and, and, and put it into something rather than just letting it dissipate, take it. Because yeah. sometimes it doesn't happen that often. Yeah, so exactly. if it's happening now, do it to make yeah. the move. Yeah, and truly believe that you can, you can take that step. Absolutely. Yeah, sure. Thank sure. you, Barry. Thank you so Lots much. Take care. 
So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward, and I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes, and you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jenniferGeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support.